This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, September the 21st, 2023. Another chilly, almost fall morning here in Hayesville. I'm uh, glad you could join us here. Uh, Lots to talk about. Uh, Plenty of baseball last night. The wild card races remain tight, which is... A lot of fun, um, so uh, we'll get to all that in just a second. Uh, some football news before we get started. Um, the Rams yesterday made a trade with the Minnesota Vikings to send Cam Akers to the Vikings, and it's, you know, I mean, I guess you would consider this a minor deal for the Vikings. It could be huge, but uh, they sent uh, the Vikings sent a conditional uh, sixth-round pick to the Rams for Akers and a conditional uh, seventh-round pick in 2026. So, I mean, the draft picks aren't even going to happen for a couple of years. But um, Akers is a guy who uh, was drafted in the second round out of Florida State and uh, tore his Achilles tendon in preseason 2021, came back uh, for the playoffs and uh, was very effective for them. Uh there was uh, he he got off to a really rough start last year. Uh, the Rams actually tried to trade him at midseason last year. When they didn't trade him, the deadline passed. He comes back and he runs for three straight hundred yard games. A lot of people thought he would be the number one back going into camp when Sony Michelle retired. And by the way, that tells you all you need to know if Sony Michelle is ahead of Cam Akers. Um, but obviously, the Vikings still think he has something left in the tank. So uh, they are hopeful. I mean, look, the, the Vikings had Dalvin Cook and let him walk. They, they released him and uh, ended up going to the Jets. And uh, Tr- Alexander Madison has uh, been their lead guy this year, and it's not working. You know, they've got him. They've got Ty Chandler. Um, and I would think that with a, in very short order – Cam Akers is going to wind up being the number one guy there. They're going to need somebody um, if they have any hopes of uh, turning their season around and contending for a, a never mind a division title, but just making the uh, the playoffs to begin with. Uh, they're going to need uh, some kind of a running attack because they can't put it all uh, on their quarterback's arm. Uh, because you know I'm you know we'll see what he's got but it he hasn't been off to the greatest start the Vikings last year uh, had a lot of games where they fell behind early and uh just couldn't uh just haven't been able to find that kind of magic this year so they're hoping Cam Akers can help him out a little bit another running back that signed yesterday Kareem Hunt signs with the Cleveland Browns he will take over uh the number 1 running back duties from his old uh teammate Nick Chubb or at least I'm assuming it will be probably not this week um, as, uh, uh, you know, he's probably going to need some time to get in shape. 
he was a free agent, didn't sign with anybody else. He's been staying at home, and he actually gets to re-sign with his hometown team. Um, it's a one-year deal worth about $4 million bucks, um, or up to $4 million. bucks. It's going to have a bunch of incentives in it. But, look, this is a guy that, that as a rookie, led the league in rushing when he was with the Chiefs. Uh, he's got some... He's got some baggage. You know, this is a guy that uh, uh, was accused of uh, violence against a woman when he there was video that showed him uh, uh, pushing a woman down the hallway of a hotel, and uh, uh, the Chiefs cut him. Wound up in Cleveland, had some has had some good performances for Cleveland, but again. Baggage, but how many how many guys these days uh, don't have baggage? So uh, anyway, uh, they had brought him in for a visit after Chubb got hurt, and uh, now Kareem Hunt back in the fold with the Cleveland Browns. A bit of a surprise yesterday: uh, the Chicago Bears defensive coordinator Allen Williams resigned. Um, and look, um, they are uh, a mess. Defensively, you know the Chicago Bears are a team where their defense was kind of their uh, their bread and butter, and what they uh, what everybody assumed that the the Bear defense would keep them in games hasn't happened. Um, Williams was in his second year, the last the first year that he was there, uh, they allowed more points than any team in the NFL last year. And by the way, they're not doing much better this year. They've allowed sixty five points in the first two games of the season. Uh, but what's weird about this is that uh, he says that uh, that he needs to take care of his health and his family. He says he'll be back to coaching, but he, he it sounds like he's has some health problems. But there were rumors going around for the last couple of days that the authorities had raided his house and maybe the the Bears practice facility for for whatever reason. Um, now the bears pushed back against that yesterday and said, there's been no raid on their, their facilities. Uh, and, and they never saw the police around in anything in connection to do with Alan Williams. So it, well, it's like everything, you know, everything on the internet now, everything's a conspiracy and, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, now maybe there's something to it, but it doesn't sound like there is. It just sounds like a, a lot of, uh, uh, smoke. Uh, but uh, Alan Williams has resigned as defensive coordinator. Uh, it didn't matter who the defensive coordinator is there right now. That team is a mess, uh, offensively and defensively. Um, and uh, they, uh, they're probably going to, you know, it, it, unless Justin Fields really turns it around, it looks like they might be looking for another quarterback in the draft. Or, or though, as you heard Dan Zampano say uh, on our show last week, uh, the number of quarter, good quarterbacks – in college this year is crazy. There could be a lot of quarterbacks coming out uh, in the upcoming draft. So you know, if Mac Jones doesn't uh, doesn't turn it around for the Patriots, if Justin Fields doesn't, do, you know, you just we'll see, we'll see. Um, and uh, a quick hockey note: uh, the Boston Bruins yesterday, and this is funny. Uh, and I'm a big I'm a Brad Marchand fan because I like guys that kind of stir up the pot a little bit. Uh, Brad Marchand, who has a reputation of being, I don't know if you'd want to call him a dirty player, but he is an agitator. 
he's a guy that likes to run his mouth, uh, and uh, he is a guy that the fan bases for most other NHL teams can't stand. Uh, well, he is now the new Boston Bruins captain. He takes over for Patrice Bergeron. Um, Pasternak and Charlie McAvoy will be the alternate captains this year. Really, I mean, when you think about it, who else was there going to be? I mean, Marshawn's played the eighth most games in franchise history. He's played 947 games for the Bruins. He's got like, I don't know, 850-plus points. Um, he's one of their better players. Is he a pain in the ass? Yes. Can he be a jerk? Absolutely. Uh, not necessarily what you think as the uh, uh, the prototypical captain. You know, those are guys, most people that are named captain, you know, they have, uh, I don't know if you want to say squeaky clean, but they have, you know, they have, uh, they're respected by other teams and other players around the league. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> you could say that about Brad Marchand, but uh, be that as it may with the NHL season, uh, God, the NHL season just about a month away, maybe a little bit less. Well, actually, the uh, preseason games, I think, start like a week or so, don't they? Uh, man, it comes so fast now. But uh, Brad Marchand, the new captain of the Boston Bruins. Um, and, and just one uh, kind of uh, pop culture note. I saw this this, uh, this morning come across the wire. Remember the show, the, uh, the, uh, the painting show on – PBS that had Bob Ross on it. Um, well, there's a Bob Ross painting. It, matter of fact, it was the first painting he ever did for that PBS show. He did it like, you know, he does them in less than half an hour, right? Um, he did 400 paintings for that TV series. It was called uh, The Joy of Painting, I think it was called. How about this? How about the first painting that he did for that series is going up for sale for $9.85 million. That's what the guy, the guy who owns the gallery that owns it, uh, I don't, I, will they get it? I don't know. Uh, but uh, he bought it uh, from a guy that had owned it for like 39 years. And, uh, you know, you know what it looks. It looks like one of those. Uh, and this is to take nothing away. Look, what Bob Ross did was amazing because I'm a guy who can't draw a straight line. So take, I guess, what I think with a grain of salt. But it's one of those photos or one of those paintings. When you look at it, it looks like something you'd pick up at a flea market for like 25 cents. You know, I mean, it's fine. You know, I mean, it's a. It's called a walk in the woods, and you know, I mean, as it goes, it's pretty. It's a, it, never are you going to confuse that with a masterpiece. You know, something. It's not a Monet, um, but I think it's more about who Bob Ross was and, and the popularity that he's gained. He's even more famous after he died. He was he hosted the show for what eleven years. Uh, he died in nineteen ninety five, um, and and he was just a guy that encouraged people to paint. And uh, so anyway, we'll see. We'll see if it happens. Um, I think the uh, uh, it, well, it'll be if, if it sells for that, it'll be far more than anybody has ever paid for a Bob Ross photo. But just nine point eight five million dollars. Whew. 
But then I guess, you know, it, it, maybe the guy that won the $2 billion lottery, uh, the, the Powerball or Mega Millions, whatever one it was, it was like $2 billion. Maybe he'll buy it because he's like buying up uh, mansions in California uh, like, uh, <laughs> like they're shotgun shacks. It's unbelievable. Uh, and I guess if I had $2 billion, if I won the $2 billion, I guess I'd probably do the same thing. All right, let's get to uh, sports. Let's get to baseball from uh, last night. Um, can the Red Sox season uh, end fast enough? If you're the Texas Rangers who are trying to not only get into the playoffs but still have a chance to win your division title, you are very glad that the Red Sox were there. After losing the first game to Boston, they have uh, beaten them the last two, and yesterday they just flat-out embarrassed them. The Red Sox scored the first four runs of the game. It's an afternoon game. I'm, uh, you know, I'm up to my eyeballs in uh, jalapeno peppers and tomatoes, so I'm like thrilled because I'm I'm spending the day canning yesterday, making pickled jalapenos. I made my own barbecue sauce yesterday for the first time. As an aside, um, uh, came out all right. I thought it was pretty good. But anyway, so I figured, great, I got a Red Sox game to watch while I'm doing all this canning. It'll keep me entertained. And when the Red Sox jumped out four nothing, you know, I'm pretty happy. Uh, you know, uh, a long home run uh, by Adam Duvall. Bobby Dahlbeck hits a bomb. It's 4 nothing after two. I'm like, happy days. Well, then the bottom of the second happened, and Brian Bayo gives up six in the second, two more in the third. He is out of the game in three innings after giving up eight runs, eight hits, and he walked four guys. Through 82 pitches, only 44 of them for strikes in three innings. Oh, my own. It was embarrassing. Because then they bring Robertson out of the bullpen. He gives up five more in a couple of innings. Schreiber gives up a couple of more. So you go from up 4 nothing to down 15-4. to four. And, you, I mean, you just you got to a point where I just was laughing. I finally turned it off. I don't know, sometime I think in the sixth inning I couldn't take it anymore. After after Texas got you know got the fifteen, I said okay, <laughs> I've seen enough. Um, but but I'll tell you what, there's a real concern here, um, and not that Brian Bayo is is not going to be uh, a solid number two or three starter in the major leagues. I don't think he's an ace, but I think he could be a solid two or three. But the concern with Bayo, because it's no longer a small sample size, is the difference in his performance between day games and night games. He's only been in the majors for two years, but in the 13 games that he has pitched in the daytime, he is four and seven with an ERA of 6.6. Opponents have a 9.05 OPS in 13 day games. Contrast that to the 26 night games he's pitched and he's 10 and 11, but his ERA is 3.27, and the, the, the opponent's OPS is 200 points lower at 704. His ERA is half as much, and the OPS is 200 points lower when he pitches at night. That's not a coincidence. Now, what is it? That's, 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 that's for Dave Bush and uh, the pitching coach and Alex Cora to figure out, but... Um, it could be as simple as some guys just don't like it. You know, I remember 
Dennis Eckersley, in, in the years that he was doing Red Sox commentary, he used to talk about how much he hated day games. Hated it. Because most pitchers, or most baseball players, period, you know, this day and age, the majority of the games are at night, right? So you're used to being able to sleep in all day, show up for work at, you know, 2, 3 in the afternoon, right? And you got a night game that starts at 7 o'clock or so. By the time everything's over, you get out of there, you're out of there, you know, sometime between 11 and 12. That's the life that they're used to. So now you throw a day game into the wrinkle, and some guys just don't handle it well. And maybe maybe it's self-discipline. I mean, Eck would be the first to admit to you that a lot of the reasons he hated it is because he liked being out at night. And it wasn't conducive to, uh, to a day game. <laughs> he readily admits that. Um, so maybe that's part of it with Bale. I don't know. I mean, he's a young kid, and if that is the issue, he's got plenty of time to fix it. But yesterday was, you know, crazy. I mean, and and uh, Bayo just said that he's never had a game like that in his life. And uh, I wish I hadn't seen it. And you know what I wish I hadn't seen, too? Martin Perez, former Red Sox pitcher, throwing uh, you know, five scoreless innings. Right, they they were they were beating John Gray all over the ballpark. They take Gray out in the third inning, bring in Martin Perez, and he just sticks it to him. You know, <laughs> you're looking at that after all the the pitching problems the Red Sox have had all season. You go, oh my god. Uh, the only other you know positive thing I have to say about yesterday's game is a well a it's over, but b uh, how Bobby Dahlbeck has looked since coming back. I look. You can say, well, who cares? The games don't mean anything. However, the opponents that they're playing, the games do mean something. It means a lot to the Texas Rangers, I'll tell you that. And Dahlbeck's looked great since coming back. Um, you know, it's his first home run of the season yesterday, but uh, since in the four games since being recalled, he's 6 for 14. Three extra base hits. He's 28 years old. The Sox obviously don't have a place for him. Because you've got, you've already got, you know, guys that can DH. You've already got Tristan Casas at first base. Now Dahlbeck's been playing uh, all over the place out in Worcester. He played a lot of right field. I guess right field kind of had become his regular position. But with guys like Abreu and Jaron Duran and now Sedan Rafaela, you don't have a place for him in the outfield either. You know, I assume they tried to trade him at the tr- trade deadline, and maybe the asking price was too much by the Red Sox. But they're at a point now with him that take what you can get. But I hope for his sake he gets a chance to play somewhere. You know, I don't know that he's going to go to some big t- – but I'll tell you what, don't tell me that a team, you know, uh, you know, that's uh, that the Kansas City Royals or the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates or, or the White Sox or Detroit or somebody couldn't find a way. Uh, the Oakland Athletics, for God's sake. You know, because he's not going to cost you a lot of money. So I hope the Red Sox find a place for him because he deserves a chance to play. I mean, the kid has done everything the Red Sox have asked. The Red Sox have jerked him around a lot, you know, up and down between Worcester and Boston. And um, the Red Sox were a lot more patient with Tristan Casas at first base than they ever were when with Bobby Dahlbeck when he was struggling. 
They gave Tristan Costas the keys to first base this season and let him play all year. Bobby Dahlbeck never got that same kind of uh, break as far as I'm concerned, and, and I, ho- I, hope he, I hope he gets a place to play because uh, uh, I think the kid can play. I mean, is he a Hall of Famer? No, but I think the kid can be a contributor uh, somewhere. That kind of power plays anywhere. So um, so anyway, so glad it's over. The Red Sox have today off, thank Jesus. <laughs> and uh, uh, they will be back home uh, this weekend. And look, you know, we knew the season was over a long time ago, but and and you don't want to say they gave up because and, and I don't think they gave up. It's just they got to figure out the whole Brian Bayo thing because he just was, uh, you know, with it, this daytime thing is obviously an issue. Uh, look, the Red Sox have the White Sox this weekend, uh, three against the White Sox at home, then two with Tampa at home, and then they finish at four with Baltimore. Uh, but you know, what three games under five hundred? First time since April thirteenth, they've been three games under five hundred. So it'd be nice to, uh, you know, win three this weekend. Play with some pride. Get yourself back to five hundred. Try not to finish under five hundred uh, for the season. You know, let's try not to have a losing record. But and then you know, look, you've got the the weekend. You got you know, you've got or next week you've got Tampa and Baltimore and a chance to play spoiler. Tampa's just a couple of two and a half games behind Baltimore for the division lead. So the Red Sox have something to play for. Just if for nothing else just to spoil somebody else's uh, chances at a division title. So, uh, uh, and Alex Cora has said, uh, you're not going to see any spring training lineups. He said he's going to play the regular people. He said that the uh, fans deserve to see a real team out there, that they deserve to see the regulars out there. So, good for him. Um, I mentioned uh, uh, the Orioles. The Orioles lose yesterday. The Astros come back to win that game. The Orioles were in control um, one nothing, going into the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, but they score a, a Jeremy Pena double, uh, tied it with one out in the eighth inning, and then uh, Mauricio Dubon uh, with an RBI single in the ninth gives the Astros the come-from-behind victory, despite the fact they only had two hits uh, for most of the game. Kyle Bradish got the start. He was great. Six shutout innings, two hits. He struck out nine. Uh, Webb came out of the bullpen, did a great job. Uh, they finally got the, uh, a run off of Fujinami, and uh, then they win it off of Column Bay and uh, the Houston Astros. Um, trying to hold on to their division lead, they have a half a game lead over Seattle and a half a game lead over Texas. They even their home record, by the way, at 39 and uh, 39. And both, well, the Astros, uh, have a pretty easy series this weekend. They've got three against the Kansas City Royals. They're off today, and they play the Royals on the weekend. Uh, the Orioles, I think they're I think they're going to be a little bit tougher going. I said they've got the Guardians this weekend. Now, the Guardians lost yesterday, uh, and they have nothing left to play for. They're nine games back uh, <laughs> with nine games to play of the Minnesota Twins, so they're not winning the division. Uh, hopefully they don't mail it in, but uh, Grayson Rodriguez is going to pitch against Cleveland tonight. It's a four-game series, uh, and if you're the Orioles, uh, knowing that Houston is playing Kansas City and uh, Tampa's got a, a fairly easy uh, schedule coming up, if you are the Orioles, you've got to take advantage of this uh, Cleveland Guardians team. It is 30 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a quick break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
It is 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Thursday morning. So I mentioned the Tampa Bay Rays. They lose to the Angels of all teams yesterday. The the Troutless and Otaniless Angels put up eight, and uh, they beat the Rays yesterday 8-3. to three. Brandon Drury, a couple of home runs in that game for the Angels. Five runs batted in. The Angels had lost six in a row, uh, but uh, they beat up. Uh, on the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday. Aaron Savali, the kid from Connecticut, gave up six runs and seven hits uh, in just three innings. He struck out seven, so seven of the nine outs he got were strikeouts, but uh, uh, he was hitting uh, too many bats, and uh, they fell behind early, not able to recover. The Angels built a 6 nothing lead after two innings and uh, uh, ran away with it from there. Um, they will play again uh, today. Zach Eflin looking to pick up his 16th win of the season. Uh, matter of fact, he would become the first American leaguer with 16 wins. He will go against Griffin Canning uh, of the Angels in that game coming up today. Uh, look, um, the Rays just continue to find ways. I mean, it's it's crazy what they do. Uh, you know, Wander Franco goes out, you know, with, uh, with his issues and uh, you know, they get Basabi in there, and he picks up right where Wander Franco would have left off. Uh, so, uh, but look, the Rays have seven or six games left with the Toronto Blue Jays. So their season and Toronto's season are all going to be decided pretty quickly with uh, uh, three in Toronto in between the two games in Boston for Tampa, and then they finish uh, three at Toronto. So that is a tough schedule for the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays going down the stretch. And if you're the uh, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, you know, look, this is your chance. It's right there in front of you. You're not catching Tampa uh, for the number one wild card, although it's still not out of the question. But right now they are seven and a half games back of Tampa for the number one wild card. That's not the issue. Uh, the issue is, is that with Texas just a half a game back, and Seattle a half a game back, Toronto's going to have to play with the big boys and show that they are capable of, uh, of finishing thing, th- this thing off. Um, they've done a good job this week with the Yankees. They beat them again yesterday, 6-1. to one. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, six shutout innings. And uh, uh, Spencer Horwitz with three runs batted in. Bo Bichette with a couple of runs batted in. And the Blue Jays blew this game open late. Uh, this was a tight one. It was a, a one nothing game Toronto led going into the eighth inning, but then they scored a couple of runs in the eighth. They drew five walks in that inning uh, and uh, opened up a 3 nothing lead, and then they scored three more in the top of the ninth. The Yankees got a consolation run in the bottom of the ninth. But I'll tell you, the guy you got to feel bar- sorry for is uh, Michael King, the starter for the Yankees. Seven innings yesterday. He struck out 13, didn't walk anybody, only gave up one run on five hits. His ERA is 2.66, but he's got a 4-7 and seven record. I mean, it, the, the way that his team has lost games this year when he has pitched his ass off is absolutely uh, unbelievable. But uh, uh, that was the most strikeouts he's ever had. This is a guy who's a converted reliever, for God's sake. Uh, most strikeouts he's ever had in a game. Uh, I think the 101 pitches is also a career high. The only run he gave up came on an uh, infield hit that glanced off of his glove in the third inning by uh, by Bichette. So uh, pitched well, uh, but the uh, the Blue Jays win. For Gaussman now, 12-9, and nine, lowers his ERA to 3.29. Uh, great finale in that series tonight. The Blue Jays 
Uh, Jose Barrios, who's 11 and 10 with a 3.49, will take on Garrett Cole, who is 13 and 4, a 2.81 ERA, one of the uh, favorites for the Cy Young in the American League. Um, other American League games of note: the Mariners win; they beat the Oakland Athletics six to three. So the Mariners now at 84 and 68, essentially tied with Texas for the uh, that third wild card. Uh, Texas has uh, is ahead in the season series. I think that is the the reason why Texas is actually listed as the third wild card right now. Uh, for Seattle, their third straight win. Dominic Canzone, home run, four runs batted in. And uh, Julio Rodriguez with a home run. Uh, he also reached 100 runs batted in. He is a third player in Major League Baseball history, uh, 22 years old or younger, with at least 30 homers, 30 stolen bases, and 100 RBIs in a season. The only other players to do that, A-Rod, and Ronald Acuna Jr. Pretty good company. Uh, George Kirby picked up the win. Uh, eight, gave up eight hits over seven innings. Gave up three runs. But uh, uh, it was his first win in over a month. The last win he had gotten was back on the 5th of August uh, against the Angels. And as far as the A's go, it just, it just continues to get worse and worse. Uh, they are now... Two losses away from the team record. They're 46 and 106. Two more losses, and they uh, will tie the Oakland record for most losses in a season. They are 60 games below 500. Think about that for a minute. And that's the first time that has happened since 1919. Mariners uh, win the season series against the A's 12 to 1. But, uh, oh. My God, that's just brutal. Uh, attendance yesterday in Oakland, by the way, uh, 5,602. Another fine crowd, another reason why uh, they are heading for Las Vegas. You know, I do have to ask. I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, and, and we're fortunate, although, you know, the last few years has been difficult, but it, we have been fortunate in Boston you know, for a great number of years to get to this time of year, to be in September and still be playing meaningful baseball, right? How I can't imagine what it's like to be a fan of a team like Oakland or Pittsburgh um, or, or Kansas City lately you know where you go you're going in you just know that you got no chance by may you're already out of it half most of the time and i i wonder and maybe i know the answer because i'm a glutton for punishment too but i wonder how many do, do you have to be a true fan to continue to watch your team get their head beat in every year and every day of a season when you know they're out of it. You know, I mean, and and I I was thinking about it yesterday. Am, am I a glutton for punishment because I insist on watching every Red Sox game? You know, now I may not watch the whole thing, you know, like yesterday. You, you get to a point where you can't take it anymore. But if you're – does being a true fan mean that – you have to watch even when your team is out of it. 
You know, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, I'm such a huge baseball fan, and I have the you know the luxury. And matter of fact, a lot of us have the luxury now of uh, MLB Extra Innings or the MLB app, where we can watch other games. So I can get my fill of good baseball or better baseball by watching other games. But I always at least watch the beginning of the Red Sox games. I may only watch three, four, five innings, depending on how bad it's going when they're out of it. But do you have do you have to watch if you're a, a fan of a game, or or are, or or by not watching, are you what would be called a fair weather fan that you only watch when they're good? And I believe me, I know a lot of people like that, and um, and not just in baseball, but in other sports that they only want to watch their teams when they're winning, or a reason that they root for a team. How many people became Dallas Cowboy fans? People my age. You know, maybe a little bit younger, but people my age and older. How many people became fans of the Dallas Cowboys because they won all the time? That's that they. That's how they got that moniker, America's team. How many people are fans of the New York Yankees? And and I'm talking about people that don't live in New York because people that live in New York, you're gonna, you know, usually you root for your hometown team. But how many fans of the New York Yankees that don't live anywhere near New York and never have and don't have any connection with New York are fans of the Yankees simply because they have won what 27, 28 uh, championships? How many people are fans just because of that? I think there's a lot. You know, I think there's a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans because of the Steelers dynasty that happened, you know, all those years ago. I, you know, I, I firmly believe that. I believe that there are people that are Patriot fans because the fact that the Patriots won for so long. But, you know, does that make them less of a fan of a team of a team that never wins? I don't know. I just I just know that I feel like I'm I'm not doing my my fanship if that's a word any service if I don't watch I it's like I feel compelled to watch I and I wonder if I'm the only one or maybe I'm just sick my wife I think my wife would probably tell you it's a sickness but I you know I just can't imagine you know and although I, I say I can't imagine but I guess if you you're a fan of the Oakland Athletics it's almost like you come to expect it and, you know, look, the A's had some great teams, right, back in the 70s and, you know, and, and, and in the 80s. And they've competed at times, but their their financial model has killed them now. And, you know, the money ball thing was great for a time, but other teams have caught up to that. So it doesn't work anymore because the, the playing field's been leveled. Um. So, but but the Oakland Athletics and, the, and before them, of course, they were the Philadelphia Athletics. That is a franchise. I mean, talk about long-suffering fans. That is a franchise that is more often at the bottom of the standings than near the top, right? Uh, you know, you could say the same for Cub, Cub fans. But you know, I just I always feel like I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not a true fan if I don't watch the pain. <laughs> you got to take the good with the bad, right? That's the way I look at it, anyway. So anyway, I just was kind of curious what everybody else thinks. Um, the Phillies beat the Braves yesterday, six to five. Um, so the Phillies now still two games or two and a half games ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks for that number one wild card. Um, look, they are, uh, they've got 10 games left 
it'll be hard for them not to make the playoffs at this point. Nick Castellanos yesterday, uh, two home runs in the game, but then a unbelievable throw. And it was it was funny after the game. Uh, Phillies manager Rob Thompson was interviewed. The catch that Castellanos made was in foul territory with a runner on third base. The runner tags up on the catch in foul territory, and Castellanos spins around and throws him out from about 300 feet away. But Rob Thompson was sitting on a bench going, let it fall. Don't try, don't catch it. They realized that the ball was too far away uh, from home plate. They didn't think they'd have a chance to get the runner at the plate, uh, but they did. Uh, and uh, they threw... Uh, to the plate and uh, got Garrett Stubbs saved the run from scoring and uh, the Phillies hang on to win this one six to five. So uh, you know that's uh, uh, that's a tough call. That's a tough call, but a hell of a throw by Nick Castiano. So the Phillies beat the Braves six five. The Braves look. Uh, you'll forgive the Braves if they lose a few games. They've clinched. Uh, they've won ninety seven games. Uh, you know. So although they're still winning more than they're not, but. Uh, uh, you know, they don't have as much to play for. Uh, now, the Phillies have a four-game series starting tonight with the New York Mets. Ranger Suarez is going to take the mound for the Phillies. Uh, he'll go up against David Peterson. The Braves uh, <laughs> have a, a breather this weekend. Uh, they will take on the Washington Nationals. Uh, Max Freed, 7-1 and with a 2-6-4, will take the mound for the Braves in the opener of that four-game series. 45 minutes past. Yeah, we've got to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. The Arizona Diamondbacks win their fifth in a row. Corbin Carroll um, hit his 25th home run of the season, uh, also stole his 50th base of the season, um, and uh, he becomes the first rookie uh, ever to reach the 25-50 mark. Uh, pretty impressive. They beat the San Francisco Giants 7-1. to uh, Merrill Kelly, six and two-thirds uh, innings look really good. Uh, and the Diamondbacks stay in that number two wild card spot. They are a game and a half, or excuse me, two and a half games ahead of the Chicago Cubs, uh, who are clinging to that number three wild card by just a half a game. Um, the Diamondbacks... Um, uh, Carroll is just the third player to steal 50 bases in Diamondbacks history. Tony Womack and Eric Burns are the other two. Uh, The Giants' uh, playoff hopes uh, fading fast. Nine games to go. They are three games back of the final wild card, but they have to leapfrog Cincinnati and Miami uh, and the Cubs to have a chance. So their uh, hopes are fading fast, especially considering they start a four-game series against the Los Angeles Dodgers starting today. Uh, Arizona with the day off today, and then uh, they face the Yankees in New York, three-game series this weekend. Uh, So the Yankees with a chance to play spoiler uh, as well. The Cubs lose again. Cubs still right now the number three wild card. They are a half a game ahead of Miami, but they have lost six of their last seven. Uh, And they got hammered yesterday by the Pittsburgh Pirates, 13-7. to uh, Justin Steele started the game. Justin Steele started. He was 16-4. and four. He gave up eight hits, six runs in three innings. And, uh, look, you know, that's uh, it was a Brian Bayo performance is what it was. Uh, but Joshua Palacios, a three-run homer in a seven-run 
fourth inning. That was the difference in that one. Uh, those two teams will have their series finale today. Uh, Oviedo takes the mound for the Pirates. It'll be Kyle Hendricks looking to even his record at 7-7 seven and seven for the Cubs. Um, the Mets beat the Marlins. So, again, the Marlins half a game out. Can't beat the Mets. The Mets beat him 8-3. Mark Vientos with a couple of home runs, his first career multi-home run game. Uh, Brandon Nimmo hit a home run as well as a double and a single. Uh, Kodai Senga, six strong innings for the Mets, picks up his 12th win of the season, lowers his ERA to 2.96 as the Mets win this one easier. Brandon Nimmo having another fine season uh, for the New York Mets. Um, The Marlins... We'll play the Milwaukee Brewers. They have today off, and they have a three-game set with the Brewers over the weekend. Uh, and Miami, look, the Brewers. May, well, they're not going to. They're not going to let up. They now. Uh, uh, they now have a seven-game lead over Chicago. So it looks like their division lead is, you know, their division title is pretty much in the bank. Uh, but uh, the Marlins are going to have their hands cut out for them. Corbin Burns going to get the start in the opener. Of that series, Burns is nine and eight with a three five six ERA. Josh Donaldson, remember him? Yankees had him, let him go. Uh, he hit a, another home run for the Brewers and a three run bomb, and uh, they beat the Cardinals eight to two. Here's an incredible stat: Josh Donaldson only has twenty two hits in the majors this year. Twelve of his twenty two hits are home runs. <laughs> Wow. Uh, Mark Canna, a three-run double in the game for Milwaukee as well. Canna, who came over from the Mets at the trade deadline, has 30 runs batted in uh, in 42 games with the Brewers. He only had 29 RBI in 89 games with the uh, with the Mets. Uh, Milwaukee, 21-9 and in their last 30 games. For St. Louis, lost their 85th game of the season. That's the first time they've lost that many games since 1999. Uh, series finale is uh, tonight. Wade Miley, uh, eight and three with a three three eight ERA for Milwaukee. Miles Michaelis, looking for his eighth win of the season for the St. Louis Cardinals. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Dan Zapano is going to join us tomorrow. He's going to be live. Uh, no commitments this week, so we'll have him on live tomorrow. Uh, at 9.15. Hope you can join us then. We leave you this morning with some music from the Zach Brown Band, kind of the uh, a guy that, or a, uh, a band that was kind of uh, given the uh, nod of the, the next great ones by Jimmy Buffett. And uh, here the two of them are together. This is called Knee Deep. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.